0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. John chapter 11, Mary and Martha just lost their brother. And Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Then he goes on and says, whoever... Rich, poor, young, old, smart, not so smart, whoever you are, scripture says, whoever believes in me, though you walk through the darkest valley, though bad things happen. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he what? Live. God has given us a life on the inside that no person or circumstance will ever be able to extinguish. The life of God when we were born again indwells, it's inside our spirit. But the the, the challenge is to get that life that's in our spirit to begin to operate in our our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And I believe what God's going to begin to do is that great work he did in our, our hearts the moment we were born again there's going to be a greater transition into the practical areas of our life, the the feeling and intellectual and and emotional, willful areas of our lives in the the days ahead. And scripture goes on to say, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. There will come a time in in my life, if the Lord tarries, where my body will stop functioning, just like, you know, cars begin to break down as they get older sometimes and and you know, there's only so many miles in that particular car. Scripture is saying, you know, that you know most of us were going to die. Jesus knew that he wasn't coming back at least in the next uh, a few minutes. There, he, he, God didn't tell him the, the exact time, but uh, it was clear he didn't die and wasn't raised, risen from the dead yet. So he knew it wasn't wasn't quite yet his time to return. But Scripture says here that who believes in me shall never what die. We are living a life, according to Scripture, that we will never stop living. There's a life on the inside of our spirit that will last eternally. And then uh, Scripture says, do you believe this? Now, this is the $6 million question. When you're facing crisis, when your brothers died, when you've prayed and your prayers had not been answered, what do you believe? I want you to watch Martha's response, often in the Gospels, we correct Martha for being, you know, uh, the busy beaver and being too busy than to sit at the master's feet. But here, we discover a Martha that we need to emulate. We discover a Martha that that John takes a whole lot of time explaining her conversation with the master because it's instructive. So we're going to take our time today as we take a look at what goes on here. Jesus looks at her and and he says, you know what? Do you believe what I just said, that I'm the resurrection of life? Martha said to him, yes, Lord. Now, let me ask you a question again. When that person doesn't get well, when it seems like God's ask, answering everyone else's prayer uh, except yours. I mean, you know, a lady uh, down the street got sick, God healed her, but, but, but you got sick and, and it lasted six or seven weeks. You got sick and, and it exhausted your, your, your bank account. What do you do when you're in a circumstance where you pray to the living God and God's not answered in the way you saw fit. In fact, if you know the narrative here, Jesus stayed longer where he was and delayed in coming to Martha and and dealing with her situation. What does this woman say? She says, yes, Lord. Can you still say yes, Lord? When you feel abandoned, when you feel neglected, when you feel like somehow God, you know, my, my prayer list doesn't count. How do you respond to the master? She said, Yes, Lord. Watch your response. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Even though my brother died, even though the baby died, even though I lost my house, my car, even though circumstances happened that, you know what, I prayed and and, and I was believing you, Lord, that that they would not happen. Even though I didn't get what I want, you alone are God. What did Job say? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And you'll have these moments in your life these gospels were not just written because, you know, God wanted to give us fancy stories. These were real people who realized real lives experiencing real change because of the message of the Lord Jesus. And this woman, you know, she felt forsaken and abandoned. I mean, come on, Jesus, we're your closest uh, friends. You know, my sister worshiped at your feet and and you've been to our house. We fed you dinner. All your your disciples have been with us. We've traveled with you on the road, master. And you know what? You seem to be helping everyone else but me. Has anyone in this room ever been here? Except, you know, maybe I'm the only one in this room that's ever been in this situation. But this is where Martha was. But in the midst of it, her heart thunders. And she says, Lord, you know, where can I go but to you, Lord? You are the only way, truth, and the life, Father. I believe that you are the Messiah. I don't understand why. I don't understand what you're doing, but I know you are the Son of God. You are, you are the one that was promised through the prophets. And God, uh, I, I, I still, in spite of what I feel, I still will hold on to this truth. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary. This is really all God ever requires of any of us. After we have personally met with the Lord to take others to that place of meeting. All my Sunday teaching is, people think, you know what, he speaks, well, no, 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 that's not really what's going on here. All I do every Sunday is take you to the place, I met the Lord earlier that week, and the things he taught me, the things he showed me, I simply share with you. And here we see the pattern that he lays out for all of his disciples, world without end. In fact, let's take a look at it. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 14, let's pay close, close, and very, very careful attention. And again, it had just said when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary. Mark 3 and verse 14 listen to Jesus' instructions to his disciples. And he appointed the 12, whom he also named apostles. Why did he appoint these guys? So they could sit in the big chairs on Sundays with the tall backs? So they could have, you know, special dresses that they wear in front of the congregation on Sundays, you know, little long things. And uh, why did he call? So they could have titles and, and people could address them in the marketplace as pastor, prophet, evangelist teachers. Is this is why Jesus called the apostles. No, the first reason of why we're called is listed and outlined out of the very mouth of Jesus. He said he appointed the 12 and this was their assignment so that they might be with him. This is the first thing God calls any of us to do. And only out of our experience of being with him comes any help that we can offer anybody else. That we might, what, be with him, and he might, what, send them out. Now, he can only send us out after we've been with him. If you've not been with him, you ain't got nothing to share and nothing to say. Everything I have to say that's of any value has come from my being with him. And if I ever think I'm so smart, I could just look at my books. So you hear what I'm saying? Recall from my memory and have something that's life changing, that's going to impact the lives of others. I've been deceived and deluded. My first assignment as a pastor, your first assignment as a follower of Jesus is to be with him. Even before I preach a word, what do we do? We lift holy hands. We just be with him. We spend time in his presence and we just celebrate, Lord, I love you. And then out of that, that that worship comes this moment of teaching. And this is not just a grace church thing. All around the globe, it's done the same way. Why? Because it's the right way to do it. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Hallowed be thy name, right? You first celebrate his presence, then you step into the various other things that that God may want us to step into. But he, he said to the 12, listen, your assignment, guys, is to first spend quality time with the master. And then out of that... I will send you out to preach. But you see, if you first don't have that that quality time with the master, you're not going to be very But Let me tell you this, though. Let me tell you something I found. As a pastor and as a preacher, you might get some results. But if you're not spending quality time with with, with the Lord, now you might be saving everybody else, but you'll start to fall apart on the inside. And, you, you know, I've watched many people implode because they were hollow chocolate. There was no real substance they were just full of hot air. You ever bite into a hollow piece of uh, uh, Bugs Bunny or a bunny rabbit on, on, on uh, Easter? And many of us, that's all we are, we have a form of godliness. I mean, we have a form of, of what a man or woman of God or child of God ought to look like. But when life takes a bite out of us, all they get is a bunch of hot air. My prayer is that I almost break the devil's teeth when he takes a bite out of me. Are you hear what I'm saying? that I'm solid through and through because I've been with him. And my life and ministry comes out of abiding in the vine, and and the fruit that comes, again, is from that abiding relationship. John chapter 11 and verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here, and he's calling for you. And, and, And this is really important here. We need one another. Now, you know, if you're familiar with this portion of scripture, Mary is a great contemplator. Remember, she was the one that sat at the master's feet, and Martha was busy doing various things. And, and she's a woman of thought. She's a woman of uh, reflection. This this was her nature. This was her particular uh, bent. And what happened though here, it seems that Mary got stuck. Uh, you know, others have called it the paralysis of analysis. I've had my moments when I get stuck trying to think and figure out why did that happen? Why did they do what they do? How did I end up in the situation I, I was in? So instead of her running to Jesus, she's trying to process in her mind, how did, come on, Lazarus was Jesus' friend. Lazarus, Jesus had raised, raised, other people from the dead up to this point. How, how is it that, 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 that my brother has, has died? Why did he delay? Why did this happen in my life? But you see, thank God Mary had a sister named Martha. Martha, yeah, she, Martha. she's not a dumb woman, but Martha was a doer. Martha was a worker. Martha wouldn't just think a thing. She'd go out and, and do a thing. So instead of her just contemplating why Jesus might have done the things he did, she went out and found Jesus and then asked him to his face the question. Let's keep looking at the, the narrative here. And when she what heard it, when Martha came back saying, Listen, I just spoke with Jesus, this kind of prompts Mar- Mary, you know, she, she's so occupied with her own thoughts, this kind of pushes her out of her own mind and kind of wakes her up and, and she goes to the master. And that's why, again, we need the Mary, we we, we need the Martha, we need the do. We need to kind of we need it to contemplate, we need it all. and, and, and every. Personality type has its, its own value, and we, we see this here probably above many other scriptures. And when Mary, who was, again, processing the events, heard it, she finally, you know, said, you know what, I got to get over this. I need to get to the master. She rose quickly and she went to him. She got up and got dressed again on Sunday morning and came to church anyway. And there are moments in your life, you know, you just want to figure out why, God, why. But you know what, get dressed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Put on some deodorant so the people around you can, can can handle it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, you know, I might even put on a little perfume. That might even help a little bit too. But come to the house of God and sit there until the thing turns around. I'm not going to tell you that, that every time you come to church, now most times, I'll say 90-plus percent of times, it, it, it's a message just for you, but sometimes it takes a few comings. Sometimes it takes a few Sundays before you to be, be able to really break through where you are and, and the, the dark cloud that, that's over your life. But Mary got up, and she went quickly to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village. Again, Mary had to go to him, but was still in the place where Martha had what? Met him. So Martha again had to tell Mary where he was. And that's our job. Let me tell you where Jesus is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me give you some directions on how to get to him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. And here's a really important point here. We need people in our lives that, that comfort us. And, and it, there's a value. The Jewish people are tender-hearted people. And, 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 you know, all of the, the folks from Jerusalem, many of the, the wealthy, and we, covered this last week, had come to, to Mary and, and Martha and we were comforting them and consoling them. But, but let's keep reading here. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise and quickly go out, they did what? They followed her. You see, thank God for people that make you comfortable. But sometimes to get out of our situation, to get out of the mess we're in, we have to leave people that we think are comfortable behind. And they won't always understand where you're going or what you're doing, or why you're doing what you're doing. But scripture says that, that she re- went out. She, was, she didn't say, come with me. She rose to go uh, to find Jesus, but they decided they were going to follow her. But they still, they didn't understand. They didn't get it right. Supposing that she was going to the tomb to eat there. No, she wasn't going to the tomb. She was going to the resurrection and the life. Verse 32. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, what did she do? She fell at his feet. And I appreciate this. You know, I, I think I'm an articulate individual. I got a few letters behind my name. But you know what? I can't always say everything that needs to be said. I, you know what? There, there's sometimes there's groanings that cannot be uttered, as, as was said in the Book of Romans, that, that I, I don't know how to pray as I aren't. Sometimes it just there's not enough words in my vocabulary. Things are too complicated for me to get it sorted out in my brain. And sometimes all I can do is kind of just fall at his feet and weep. So she, she comes to Jesus, and she falls at his, his feet. But then after falling, you know, you got to you know, learn to bring to the Lord the good, bad, and the ugly. And, and I'm not just to present God, you know, my alter ego, you know, that wonderful man of God, if you will. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I've had some moments. It's like, you know, I'm tired of speaking to Bishop. I don't want to hear from the doctor. Derek, would you just talk to me? And, and there's sometimes you're like, you got to put all the nonsense aside. And just have that heart-to-heart with the master. Well, Mary comes to him, says the same thing Martha said. Obviously, they rehearsed it, but that's beside the point. And by the way, when I start hearing people say the same thing, I know y'all been talking. Lord, if you had been here, Lord, if you were really with our family, Lord, if you really cared about us, Jesus, I mean, come on, we're your friends. All those other people you spend time healing, they don't even like you and know you. I mean, we're your friends. You come to our house. I'm up early, and and my my sister, again, she's worshiping at at your your, your feet. Lord, if you had been here, this would not have happened. My brother would not have died. She's saying, Jesus, where were you when I needed you? Jesus, where were you the other night when it felt like a Mack truck ran over me? Where were you when that person attacked me and pulled me apart? God, where were you when I thought I would die? Where were you when that individual touched me wrong when I was a child? Where were you? You, You're supposed to be loved. You're supposed to be my Lord. How is it? Bad things are happening. Good people. Father, I thought we had a relationship. Lord, if you had really been here, my brother would not have died. I want you to watch what Jesus does here and pay attention. He totally ignores the question. He doesn't answer it. But what he does do is see your heart. You know, sometimes the words that come out my mouth are not quite right. There may be moments that your theology may not be right. Your, your, your statements may be totally contrary to what the will and mind of God are. But I'm so grateful that often he looks past my words, past my intellect, past my reasoning, past my blaming, and he sees my heart. It said, when Jesus saw her, I don't have a God that I always have to get it right verbally and vocally. I have a God who sees me. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, Scripture says he was deeply moved in his spirit. Almost every modern translation translates that portion of Scripture I just read wrongly. I'm not really sure the reason, I think it's because they went to the same Sunday schools we went to and, and they want to prove their Sunday school teacher wrong because everyone was taught, we were taught that, you know what, Jesus cried because he loved Lazarus and he was missing his friend. Now, Jesus did love Lazarus and, and Lazarus was a friend of God. But in the ESV, you'll notice a little E. The NIV probably has an E, I don't believe the King James Version does here, but the ESV is a, a wonderful and I believe it's one of the most superb translations we have today. It says in the ESV verse, you got to look at the E and trace it down to the bottom of the page. And when you get to the bottom, they got to tell you the truth, so they'll kind of take it out of the body of the text, and they'll tell you what the word really means. They put it real politely, moved in the spirit. But what's that mean? The word literally means to snort like a horse. It spoke of anger and indignation. So here we have Jesus showing up at a funeral where everyone's weeping, everyone's feeling sorrowful, everyone's sad, and he gets mad. Jesus gets red faced, if you will. Everyone, I mean, it's visible. Because they say, matter of fact, let, let's keep reading. It says here, when, when, when Jesus saw their weeping and, and everybody weeping, he was deeply, did it say deeply? Deeply moved in his spirit. Jesus got indignant in the middle of a funeral. How many know sometimes you can't take Jesus anywhere? (laughs) He was deeply moved. It was all over him. But where was he moved from? His spirit. Meaning this was not just a sentimental reaction, a fleeting feeling. What happened here came out of the core of Jesus' identity and being. Jesus the Bible goes on to say he was greatly, not a little bit, not he got a little bit peeved. He was greatly troubled, meaning Jesus went to this funeral. And then the pallbearers, though, they got afraid and started protecting the cast because they were afraid he might tip it over like he tipped over the tables uh, when the money chains were in the, ta- the, the, in the temple. Jesus, I mean, the, the, the indignation of God is on him. And everybody's watching this. Everyone's. Paying attention. Scripture says he was what? Greatly what? Troubled. Have you ever heard troubled waters? What does troubled waters mean? They're moving and they're moving about. I mean, there, there, was, there, was, there was lightning flashing out of his eyes, and, 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 and you could see this on the master. Let me tell you something I've learned, and it's also, you know, it's true around the world. Most people are very interested And hearing, you know what, what what do I need to know about God in order for me to receive the blessing? Now, there's nothing wrong with with, with receiving the blessing, and and you need to know truth about God. But you know what? You don't really know a person until you understand what makes them mad. You might be acquainted with that person. You might know them from a distance. But it's only intimate friends that really know what hurts a person and what makes them mad. I'm not here today just to tell you about how God will bless you. I believe my, part of my assignment today is also to show you what makes God mad. How many of you love God? Do you love Him enough to know what gets Him mad? What was Jesus mad at? Was He mad at Lazarus? No. Was He mad at Mary and Martha? Not, not really. Jesus had watched from eternity death steal the life out of every generation. He'd watched people weep and mourn over the passing of brothers, sisters, and children. He had had watched death cause strong men to cower, young men to grow old. You see, we're so used to death, we don't see the big deal about it. But the reality is man was not created to die. Death was an interruption of God's internal plan. The only reason Adam died is because he chose a source other than God. Death would have never visited him. You say, Bishop, how do you do that? I don't know exactly, but every few years, I know doctors today say that our bot- I, 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 maybe they've gotten it better over the last few years, but it was a mystery to many scientists on why human beings age, because we are designed to regenerate every few years. and And really, the degeneration is the aging process. Where, you know, our skin was a little clearer one year, than the next, I don't know if it's seven years down the line, it remakes the skin somehow, and now it's a little more wrinkly and a little more stiff, et cetera. And we degenerate instead of, uh, uh, you know, uh, regenerate the way God intended. But God intended us initially to live forever in these bodies. There was no death in the garden until the fall. Verse 34, or 33, Scripture says he was greatly what? Troubled. He's watching death steal his friend. He's watching Lazarus' potential be robbed once again. Then he looked at Mary and Martha. And he said, where have you laid him? Now, I've experienced this type of anointing, if you will, and when you feel the indignation of God, the anointing that you know Christ is the anointing. He doesn't just have an anointing. He is the anointing. And he's a person, and he turned over tables. And here at the funeral, you see his, his righteous indignation. And, you know, I've had moments where I felt the anger of God. And I tell you, in those moments, you feel like you could bite the head of a rattlesnake right off. I mean, you feel a power that comes from out of this world. And that's, by the way, how the prophets were moved in the old covenant. They would feel righteous indignation, not really against so much people. He loved people, but against their sin, against their hardness of heart, against their wickedness. And Jesus here, he's angry. And then he takes Total authority over the situation and circumstance. He said, where have you what? Laid him. This anger, though, is not selfish. Please don't mishear me. He's not feeling sorry for himself or mad about the loss of his personal friend. That's not what's happening here. This is more like the anger a parent would feel if someone would harm their child. It's the anger a husband might feel if someone would harm uh, his wife. It's it's, it's a natural anger we get from God. By the way, all anger is not bad. The Bible says, in your anger, don't sin. Meaning some anger is healthy and normal, but just don't go too far. Don't take vengeance and, 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 and don't get bitter and all the rest. And there are moments that, that I feel angry and I can't pretend I'm not. I need to take a moment, bring that anger before God and say, Lord, help me walk through this so this doesn't turn into something that it ought not. Does that make sense to folks? The scripture says here, this sounds awful, but in the spirit, it looked like Jesus was snorting like a horse. And horses are beautiful and powerful creatures, muscular and and, 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 and man, they're just marvelous and graceful. And Jesus is there looking at what death has done, leveled everyone who would ever lived, starting with Adam, ending only when Jesus returns. So he said, where you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. I found in my life, it's not until I stop hiding the places of hurt, places of death. It's not until I invite the Lord into that area and that place that I start to get better. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.